The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of all the people, he inquired of them where Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it had been written by the prophets. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Well, here we are coming to the end of the Christmas story. The kings, who had so much further than everyone else to travel, have finally arrived. As a child, I used to wonder if these wise men were so wise, why didn't they start earlier? As is our monastery custom, the kings have taken their place alongside the shepherds and various animals looking at the Holy Family at the creche. And we can feel a vague sense of Anglican superiority because our kings have made the journey and arrived on the correct day, Epiphany. Of course, we can only feel vaguely superior for a few moments because if we stop to think about it, we have to realize that the kings, or whatever they may have been, never arrive at that stable and never take their place alongside those shepherds and all those sweet little animals. The problem with the Christmas story is that there's not one, but two. In our minds, they quite easily mash together. But when we trust our memories, some important details get dropped. Most of what we know as the Christmas story comes to us from Luke. Luke has shepherds. His telling of the story is particularly good for a warm and merry Christmas. But this is the Feast of the Epiphany, this arrival of the Magi, and it directs us to Matthew, the other Christmas story. Luke gives us warm and fuzzy. Matthew turns up the dark. Matthew spares us a lot of details. 
Before their marriage, Mary is found to be pregnant, so Joseph is going to quietly end the engagement. But an angel, the first character to speak, gives Joseph the full story, and so Joseph takes Mary to his home, and Jesus is born at home. No muss, no fuss, no long journey, no stable. I haven't shortened it much because there isn't much to shorten. It's hard to imagine the Hallmark holiday special built on Matthew. That brings us up to today's feast. Wise men or magi or astrologers or kings appearing in Jerusalem from the east, wherever that may be. They were following a star, but they somehow seem to have lost sight of it. They have but one seemingly innocent question. Where is the infant king of the Jews? Oops. In the paranoid stew that was Jerusalem at the time, this is an incendiary question. Herod, king of the paranoid, gets wind of it, and like any truly insecure despot, he begins to fight. Just imagine if there had been Twitter back then. (laughs) Herod learns from his minions that Jesus is to be found in Bethlehem. And so, in a touch of irony, it is Herod that puts the wise men back on the right path. Star back in sight, off they go to meet Jesus. And this is the epiphany, the manifestation. God in human flesh is revealed. The wise men, while they're there, open their treasure chests and give gifts to the baby, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, notoriously inappropriate baby gifts. I tend to assume that the giving of gifts was the point of the journey, bearing gifts we traverse afar, as the hymn says. But in Matthew's actual telling, it is worship that is the first purpose of the wise men. The gifts come almost as an afterthought. The wise men go home, and the story gets darker. In our calendar, the slaughter of the holy innocents has already come and gone but its proper place in the sequence of things, it has just been triggered. Herod, in paranoid rage and unsure which baby is the infant contender for his crown, opts to protect his position by simply having all the little boys in Bethlehem slaughtered. Mysterious, cold, paranoid, violent, These are the kind of adjectives that Matthew's story of the birth of Jesus brings to my mind. No cattle lowing, no shepherds proclaiming glory to God, no peace on earth, little if any goodwill toward anyone. Matthew is so sparse with details that over the centuries we have had to invent them. So first these mysterious visitors acquire sex, they become wise men. Then, an occupation. They are astrologers or magicians. A number. There are three of them, because there were three gifts. Upward social mobility. They are kings. They get names, Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar. And perhaps most surprisingly, they acquire race, or at least one does. One of them is purported to be black. The story of Amal and the night visitors is, for me, One of the most moving Christmas stories the Bible never told. (laughs) As the kings, the night visitors of the title, make their way to Bethlehem, 
they stop at the home of a mall, a physically disabled child. Amal lives with his poor widowed mother, who has apparently no name. They are destitute, hardly able to feed themselves. They are in no position to entertain royalty. And yet it is in their home in which Caspar, Melchior, and Balthazar take shelter for the night. Amal emerges from the imagination of Giancarlo Minotti. It was a made-for-television opera back in the day when television had aspirations. And what do you know? When I dismissed Matthew as fodder for Hallmark Christmas specials, I was wrong. Amal and the Night Visitors was, in fact, the very first Hallmark Christmas special, way back in 1951. It's not exactly Matthew. To be honest, it's not Matthew at all. But it was surely inspired by Matthew. <clears throat> Amal and the Night Visitors finds Minotti at his most romantic, the score is lush, the music is beautiful, but one moment stands out in a particularly poignant way. When the kings have their first moment alone with the mother, they ask if she has seen the child that they seek. They describe him. His skin is the color of wheat, the color of dawn. His eyes are mild and his hands are those of a king, as king he was born. And she answers, yes, she has seen this child. It is her own child, Amal. And then she laments that no one will bring her child gifts, though he is sick and poor and hungry and cold. I find that out of a made-for-television Hallmark special, a glimpse appears to me of what Matthew may be telling me in his hard-to-warm-up-to Christmas story. The kings are looking so hard for the Jesus that they expect that Jesus in the form of Amal stands right in front of them, and they cannot see him. The good news for these mysterious wise travelers from afar is not that their journey was easy or direct, or that they were such gifted detectives. They needed the help of Herod, after all. The good news is that they persevered until they saw God in human flesh. It's quite fun and heartwarming to locate ourselves in Luke's Christmas story. We can be shepherds or cattle and sheep. For the lucky few, perhaps Joseph or even Mary. Locating ourselves in Matthew's Christmas story is more heart-chilling, but a good exercise nonetheless. I can find myself among the magi who wander and get so lost that they turn up in Luke. I can find myself among the greedy minions who cling to Herod for power, even when it calls for committing atrocities. And if I'm feeling particularly brave, I am Herod, who would rather commit unspeakable acts than tolerate Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, God with me. Luke reminds us of how much we want Jesus in our lives. Matthew reminds us of how far we will go to keep Jesus out. The revealing, the uncloaking, the epiphany is something we both desperately long for and furiously work to confound. Herod is brutal and blunt in trying to keep Jesus out of his life. These days, I'd like to say that we are less brutal and more clever. Though with events at our southern border or in the townships of South Africa, 
or at any number of places around the globe where refugees are refused care, where strangers are rejected, I'm not sure that we've come any distance from Herod. Remember, it is in the face of these strangers that we are to meet Jesus, that we are to have our own epiphany. The joyful good news, the gospel, is not that I'm prepared for Jesus in my life or that our world is in such a good place that Jesus will feel like he's still in heaven. The good news is that Jesus is revealed in our world just as surely as Jesus was revealed to the Magi in the toxic, paranoid world of Herod. Jesus comes because of our need, not because of our desire and not because of our merit. Our world is often dark, unjust, cruel, and wicked. Just the sort of world that needs Jesus. And so we pray, Lord Jesus, come. Be revealed to us today because our need is as great as ever.